This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Plantation Church family, has God been extravagantly, extraordinarily, exceptionally good to you this week? Why don't you go ahead and open your mouths and show God some love? Praise the Lord. He fed you this week. Praise the Lord. He blessed you this week. He delivered you this week. He protected you this week. He opened a way for you this week. Open your mouths and give God your best praise. Hallelujah. 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 I am so blessed to have Levitical ministers that Sabbath after Sabbath levitates us to Mount Zion. One thing, one of the things I like about plantation, it allows me to be a radical free worshiper. No bar, no hold bar. So I can come in here because of the testimony that I have. And I can jig and I can praise God because only God knows what he has done for me. And so when I praise God in plantation and gives me the ability to praise him, I know that he inhabits my praise and he inhabits your praise. And I think one thing that God is saying about us as Seventh-day Adventists, we need to jig a little for Jesus. He's been too good to us for us to be pious and stoic. We need to jig a little bit for Jesus. Pastor Rose, thank you so much for lending me your pulpit. I'd like to give a shout out to some sisters who are watching from New York, Philly, Tennessee. These, these women are awesome. Kingdom Sisterhood. It's not Women's Ministry Day, but I have to give a shout out to my sisters. You girls, you're beautiful gems. You are God's palatial, beautiful, glistening gems. And you men, you are towering towers, covering us women. And that is why... God is right here. Jehovah Shammah is right here. The holy angels are right here. This is beautiful for we're in the house of God. Have you ever experienced a time in your life, maybe even now, when you felt that you are not enough? You feel like you're not enough to fulfill expectations that are required by your family, your work, your school requirements and expectations that are required by your church, God, and even yourselves. Nowadays, everything is tied to performance metrics, data analytics, artificial intelligence, infographics, search algorithms, test stores, annual reviews, business scorecards, marketing impressions, social media, and the likes, etc., etc. These are just some of the ways 
people are evaluated to see if they are enough. But I'm here today to let you know that despite how you feel and with everyone's expectations of you, you are enough. God told me to tell you, you are enough. I titled my sermonic discourse today, I am enough. And this title was given to me by God himself. On May 12th, as I was waking up that morning, the Holy Spirit gave me, I am enough. That's your sermon title. I rolled out of bed, grabbed my journal and put sermon title, I am enough. Let us pray. Abba Father, what an honor and a privilege to stand before your people today. God, like before, today I am your blank white sheet of paper. Inscribe your word on my mind. Etch them on the canvas of my heart. And drape, Lord God, revelation from these lips of clay. Lord God, I pray that you will use me to impart words of wisdom, words of freedom, words of healing, words of encouragement, words of, of comfort to your people. Lord, bend wills, transform hearts and minds. And Lord God, I pray that your people will leave here, Holy Spirit, knowing that they are enough. Rest on me now, I pray. In Jesus' matchless name, I ask it all. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me to Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 16, and I will be reading from the New International Version. The passage reads, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand, am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. 
So for you to really grasp what's happening, let me provide you a historical sketch of what was going on in that time period. You see, in that time period of the judges, just before the times, time of the kings, the children of Israel are now settled in the promised land. Their revered leader, Joshua, and all the elders, and that generation had died. And so every man did what was pleasing to him. The word of God says, after the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Judges 2 verse 10. God allowed those pagan nations surrounding the children of Israel to oppress them. Their oppressors were cruel and unrelenting. The Israelites would cry out to God for deliverance. God would hear them and raise up a judge. And during the time of that judge, the children of Israel would serve the Lord. But as soon as the judge dies, they would relapse and apostatize again. The cycle of apostasy is best described with these six R's. Rejection. In Judges 2, verses 11 to 13, it said, Israel rejects God and turn to serve false, false gods. Number two, reaction. Judges 2, verse 14, God reacts to Israel's idolatry with righteous anger. Number three, retribution. You can find this in Judges 2, verses 14 to 15. God hands Israel over to the, oppressing, the oppression of her armies. Number four, repentance. Israel repents and cries out to God for mercy. Judges 2, verse 18. Number five, rescue. God raised up a judge to rescue Israel from her enemies. Judges 2, 16 to 18. And lastly, relapse. Judges 2, 19. The judge dies and Israel returns to her idolatry. See, Israel's fourth judge was Deborah. Anybody know Deborah? The woman warrior, the prophetess? So Deborah judged Israel was judge over Israel for 40 years. So they had peace for 40 years. And now that Deborah is dead, the people now have relapsed. The Midianites are closely linked to them. The Midianites are descendants of Abraham and his second wife, Keturah. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, was a Midianite priest. See, militarily, the Midianites, they would impoverish the Israelites by plundering their crops and storehouses and taking their animals. The Israelites had barely enough food to survive, and so they hid themselves in dens and caves. They cried out to the Lord in verse 6, and God heard and sent a prophet 
to first rebuke them for their sins, a prophet who led them to repentance and got them ready for deliverance. Now this brings us to my reading to Gideon. See, the angel of the Lord visits Gideon. This angel was just no ordinary angel. This angel was Jesus Christ in human form. The Lord said, and we see this in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in, in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian, out of Midian's hand, am I not sending you? The text tells us that the angel found Gideon threshing wheat, not on a usual threshing floor, but in a wine press, a place that would be unsuspecting to anyone. Fear of the Midianites had immobilized the Israelites' economy and upended the daily lives of the people. They were in very bad shape. See, there is parallel similarities between Gideon commissioning and Moses. Gideon's commissioning was, they were both, Gideon and Moses were both hiding from their enemies. Both were working for their father figures. Gideon was working for his father. Moses was working for his father-in-law. And both received the same commissioning, the same mandate. In Judges 6, verse 14, the angel of the Lord told Gideon, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midianites. Have I not sent you? And in Exodus 3, verse 12, God told Moses, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Like Moses, Gideon asserted, I am not qualified for this task. But again, like Moses, Gideon received assurance of divine aid and a sign affirming his call. You see, the Lord will equip you with the necessary qualifications to execute his commission. If the Lord calls you to perform a task, he will also provide the means. How God sees you is critically important. The Lord said to Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Go in strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Family, you were appointed by God to conquer, to dominate, to be all that you were designed to be in him. You lack nothing. You are 
endowed with exceptional skills and talents to walk in your purpose. You are authorized by God to circle the globe with your influence, to explore the undiscovered, to realize the unimaginable, to tap in the inexhaustible realms of possibilities. You were trademarked by God to be the one and only you. You are energized by the omnipotent God with undiluted passion to fuel your purpose and your destiny. You are an acclaimed victor for every battle you will fight. You are a prized overcomer for every trial you will face. You are a glowing success because the favor of God is resting on you. Say with me, family. God, I am what you see. I am enough. Thank you. The word of God tells us in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. I am enough to be the parent of my children. God, I messed up, but I'm still enough. I am an unwed mother. My baby daddy left me, but I'm still enough. I am recently divorced and is having a hard time adjusting, but I'm still enough to pick up the pieces to start the best chapter of my change yet to come. I am single, and even though I'm looking for a life mate, I am still enough. I'm enough to start a new career. I'm enough to go back to school. I'm enough to apply for that promotion. I am enough to be an effective witness for Christ Jesus. I am enough to be seen and to be heard. I am enough to become a game changer. Get this. God is not about popularity or crowd surge support. Sometimes God will have to decrease you to increase you. He wants to use your enough. He, re, he reduced Gideon's army from 32,000 to 300. Maybe that's where they got the movie 300. He reduced from 32 to 300 to face a Midianite army of 135,000. If you break that down mathematically, it is 450 to 1. So for every Midianite, for every Israelite soldier, there's 450 Midianites. Whoa, God, that math does not work, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you because you are going to get the glory. Because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by the Spirit of Almighty God. Victory belongs to God. Learn to trust God with your enough. Gideon's army's weapons were ram's horns, empty pitchers with unlit torches. The widow of the sons of the prophet had only a jar of oil. 
Moses only had a staff in his hand. The children of Israel only had trumpets to march around Jericho. Jonathan and his armor bearer trounced the the Philistines by just being two when Jonathan says, nothing prevents the Lord from saving by many or by few. God is not going to waste your enough. He's going to use it for his glory. You must partner with God. I would break it down like that. You do your part and God will do his part. You see, there are so many unsung heroes that we can talk about. But this morning I'd like to share one local heroine who is a member of this church. I know many of you know Yannick, that she is an usher and a deaconess. But Yannick is also a teacher by trade. See, Yannick loves her students unconditionally. There's this student, a second grader, that Yannick has taken keen interest because this second grader lost her mom. And so Yannick tells her, if ever time you need a hug or anything, come to me. Yannick also noticed that the second grade, second grader had some struggles with her grades. And so Yannick sacrificially spent time after school to tutor this young girl. And so this semester, this young girl was moved from a C student to an A student and received the academic award for the most improved student. Yannick shared with me that a few weeks ago, the student came to her and she was so happy. She said, Miss Yannick, Miss Yannick, Miss Yannick, I see Jesus in my dream. I told him about my grades and he said, good job, I'm proud of you. And if you ever need me, call me. See, Miss Yannick is a teacher. You don't need to have the spotlight playing or playing in the big lead to have impact. Your current position and the place you are in right now is where God wants to show up and have impact. God, go in the strength you have and I will be with you. I am enough to change lives. I am enough to change someone's destiny. I'm enough to change a generation. Invest your time and your resources. Yannick told me that what partnership means to her. She said, partnership with God means that in everything we do, with everything we have, we should partner with God with whatever he puts in our hands. We are in this together, family. I am depending on you to carry out your purpose, and you can depend on me to actively carry out my purpose so we can move forward. God is waiting on you to join him in partnership. You are enough. I have four girls that I sponsor in Africa. Two in Ethiopia, one in Tanzania, and one in Uganda. If you could put, put, put that up on the screen, my girls. See, in 2019, I was tapped out. I was running on fumes, I served the church, I overworked, and I was just tired. 
my, my soul was, was dry and thirsty. And so I, I, I sought a conference to nourish myself. And I'd gone to this conference and going there was a life-changing transformation. Even now, I'm drinking from the nourishment of that conference. In the intermission, one of the intermissions, I came back and this picture of this little girl, Rahima, was on my, my seat. I could not look away because they were asking us to sponsor a child, to change the destiny of that child. So I went ahead and I sponsored Rahima. And I can see Rahima, the change that is happening in Rahima's life. Her features have changed. She would write me and tell me that the monies that I sent, she, her family was able to buy goats. She was able to buy a new mattress, a new clothes. So they write me every month or ever so often. And so last year, January, as I was writing Rahima, I went and I was impressed that I need to sponsor more girls. And so I went ahead and sponsored three more girls. And so Maria is eight years old, she's from Uganda. When I, when I got her, she was not in school. It, was, it broke my heart when I see a little girl that she has no education. I know that what I was doing was not big enough, it was just me partnering with God to give him my enough so he can multiply it to change this girl's life forever. Senna is my little seven-year-old girl. I just love her. And I can tell you that when you give God your enough, God will multiply your enough exponentially. Only heaven will show you because the decision you make now is not a singular decision, but it is an eternity-weighted decision. By the grace of God, I am not done sponsoring. I'm not done allowing God to use my enough to change the lives of girls on every continent. You are enough to be an agent of change. You are enough to be an open door of opportunity for someone. An open door to a nation. God told Gideon, am I not sending you? God is saying to you, am I not sending you? Family, God is looking for you to step out of your comfort zone and soar to stratospheric heights of history-making exploits for him. For with him, all things are possible. You must set intention to everything you do. Nothing happens without intention. Nothing happens without intention. Nothing happens without intention. Nothing happens without intention. Lessons I have learned that you can think it, you can wish it, you can dream it, but if you do not set intention to it, it is just a dream, a thought, and a wish. I have learned that procrastination will never say go. Procrastination will never say start. Impulse will never say stop. You must set intention to everything you do. God wants you to start 
breaking new grounds to unleash your potential. You are a child of God. You could be the door for the next president, the next scientist with breakthrough research to cure cancer. You could be the door to Fortune 500 CEOs, the next masterclass luminaries of the century. Future generations are counting on you. Make your mark count, child of God. You are enough, young people, to send electromagnetic shock waves through the universe. Do not let anyone dim your light to please people who are bothered by your genius, who are bothered by the greatness that is in you. You are a first-class leader. You are multifaceted, intelligent, talented, curious, ambitious, wise, audacious, confident, progressive, successful, dynamic, and creative. Step out in faith and activate those God-sized dreams that will bring you God-sized results. The currency of excellence is in you. Greatness resides in you. Live giving power into every potential that God has given to you. Inspire, lead, and succeed. Let your voice become the breakthrough voice of this generation. You are ready. You are enough. I am enough. Move forward. A few days ago, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was in the process of extracting some notes from a journal from an interview that I saw with the first ever Youth National Poet Laureate, Amanda Gorman and Robin Roberts. The television was on, but it was on mute, and I just happened to avert my eyes, and I saw David Muir with a picture of Amanda Gorman in the inset. I unmuted the TV and I heard David saying that her book, The Hill We Climb, was banned in, in schools in Florida because of a parent complaint, it mentioned race. David went on to say that Amanda said she was gutted by the decision. I was flabbergasted by this decision because this was the inaugural poem read at President Biden's swearing-in, a poem that coalesced millions of people in a time when our nation needed healing. I was so inspired, I bought her book, The Hill We Climb. I was curious to see what could have caused a parent to be so concerned that they wanted to ban the book only 29 pages. So I went through the book and I looked to, to see if there's anything that was incendiary, anything that was divisive that would cause a parent to complain and to have the book banned. The only thing I could find in this book that had to do with race was a part of her poetry that says, we, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one.
I felt impressed today to share this with you, not to be political or divisive, but to let you know that in the grander scheme of things, people are going to censor you, label you, disqualify you, but hear me when I tell you, you are enough. I am enough. You are enough. You are enough to champion truth. You are enough to speak up for justice. You are enough to speak up for the voiceless. Do not dilute your authenticity to fit in the mold people create for you. If you feel trapped in one right now, break it off. Break off inferiority. Break off guilt. Break off shame. You must break the mold to break the hold. You must break the mold to break the hold. Be unapologetic about you. It is okay if people don't get you. Some may think that you are weird, but that's also okay. Your weirdness, your quirks, your eccentricities are your superpowers. These are the traits you possess that makes you different. Embrace them. In 1997, Apple rebranded themselves with this hugely successful Think Different campaign. It goes like this. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the wrong pegs in the square holes, the ones who sees things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things, they invent, they imagine, they heal, they explore, they create, they inspire, they push humanity forward. While some, of, while some see them as the crazy one, we see genius, child of God. The Bible tells us that we are a peculiar people. You are fearfully and masterfully designed by God. You are a gift from God to be a gift to the world. You are of priceless worth. The only labels you should wear are God's I am's for your life through Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. I am righteous. I am free. I am bold and beautiful. I am charismatic and confident. I'm healthy and whole. I'm a trailblazer. I'm a visionary. I'm a luminary. I am genius. I am God's glory carrier. I am unstoppable. I am enough. I was saved to live the abundant life. I am enough. I am enough because God is my redeemer. I am enough because God is my healer. I am enough because God is my shield and great reward. I am enough because God is my destiny maker. I am enough because God is my promise keeper. I am enough because Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. In Philippians 1 verse 6, Paul reminds us of the good work that God has begun in us. 
I'm particularly fond of the message, how the message Bible puts it. It reads, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep it to a flourishing finish on the very day Jesus Christ appears. You see, there are times when we battle with inadequacy. I am one that I battle at times with inadequacy. It's just only human. Last year when I was preparing for a sermon here, I was having a writer's block. I wanted to take the sermon one path and God wanted another path and so he stopped talking. And I became very concerned. I was worried because I didn't know if I was going to get to finish because I was just, nothing was coming up. So that Thursday night before that Sabbath when I was supposed to speak, I went to bed early and I woke up around 4 a.m. and I went to the small closet, my husband's closet, the very small one, the one that I still have clothes in it, even though it's his small closet. And so I sought the Lord in earnest prayer. And then God, Jesus revealed this to me. And every time from then on, I'm writing a sermon, I put it on the cover page of my sermon. Jesus said to me, I have given you my word. And from my word comes your words. Use them. You do not always need to use other resources. Use what I have given to you from my word and the things you have given birth to in prayer. Jesus. Jesus is your enough. You don't need to do cosmetic surgery to be beautiful. You are enough. You are complete in Jesus Christ. You don't need to add anything to yourself. God has masterfully designed you. You are enough. Locked inside of, inside of you are seeds of potential. I don't know if recently you saw in the news with the torrential downpour out in California, there are fields of, of, of flowers, wildflowers that are blooming. God has placed seeds of greatness inside of you, family. All you need to do is allow the blood soak of Jesus Christ's blood to soak you, to align yourself with God and say, God, I'm ready. Here I am. God wants to see you succeed. God's desire is to see you succeed. God's desire is to see you finish well and finish strong. You are called to serve a purpose greater than yourself. The only way you can achieve this is to trust God and to partner with him to bring it to pass. Jesus said in John 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Gideon and his 300 Spartan defeated the Midianites and brought peace to Israel for 40 years. Is God calling you to do mighty exploits for him? With God, you are a majority. With God, you can do anything. With God, 
you can bust down doors that has been shut for many years. With God, you can raise the dead, heal the sick. With God, you can be anything you desire to be. He has given you the manuscript for your life. Let no one narrate your story. God has already written it for you. All he requires for you is to partner and surrender your talents, your gifts, your abilities to him so that he will take your little and make it multiplicitly, exponentially, more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. In closing, I just want to reaffirm with you that God loves you. God loves you. The enough that God is talking about is his love covers you. God's love covers you. God wants to see you finish well. He wants to see you finish strong. He wants to see you when he says to you and give you a new name, well done. Well done, Heather. Well done, Pastor Mike. Well done, Kathy. Well done, Keith. Well done, Barbara. Well done. Well done, uh, Alex. Well done, Kirk. Well done, Joe. Well done. Well done, Plantation. Well done. Finish well. Finish strong. Finish the course. Finish the work that God has called you to. You are enough. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation's Seventh-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.